Welcome to The Rock Church and World Outreach Center. We pray that this message will strengthen and encourage you. Now, here's a message from Pastor Deborah Cobray. So, we're going to start tonight in a, in a very common scripture. It's, very, it's the dividing line. It's the litmus test of John 10.10. 10. If you want to turn there with me, and then we're going to go to Hebrews chapter 2. But I want to just give you just a little bit of... Um, just a brief, very, very brief history on Halloween. And Jesus said in John 10, 10, and if you've got that up on the board, Cam, the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. Now, this is a very common scripture for most Christians. It is the line in the sand. It's the dividing line. It's the mission statement. It is the litmus test. Jesus came to give us Zoe, the Zoe life, the God kind of life, the life that exists in and only by God and through God. But the thief comes to, and if you can say it with me, he comes to steal, he comes to kill, and he comes to destroy. So there are two kingdoms that that work. There is Satan's kingdom, the kingdom of darkness, and there is God's kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of light. There's many names for it, but God's kingdom. Now, I want to say this to you. Satan was a, an anointed cherub who covered the throne of God. You can find this in Ezekiel 28 and Isaiah chapter 14 if you want to find out about the fall of Satan. No one tempted him. Evil originated in him. There is no redemption for Satan and his angels and his angelic forces. But I do want to say to you that if you are a born-again Christian, you have been brought into the kingdom of God, you have surrendered your heart and your life to Jesus Christ, you have believed that he is the only begotten Son of God, you have believed that he indeed came in the flesh, that he went to the cross at Calvary, that he was the spotless lamb, he was the sacrifice and the propitiation for our sin, which means simply a word that says he took the wrath of God as the sacrifice away from us and on himself. He became sin. He took our sin, became sin on that cross. He paid the penalty. He paid the price. He went into hell and he raised from the dead on the third day. He took his blood to the highest seat in all of creation, the very throne of God, because original sin did not originate on planet earth. It originated in heaven. Satan was cast out of heaven when iniquity was found in him. Therefore, God had heaven cleansed, and he put his blood on the altar of Almighty God, and when God's wrath and God's judgment, because God must judge sin for what it is, hit that blood. That blood was the blood of God himself, and it was strong enough to take Take on the wrath, take on the judgment, take on everything that would ever have to be to us, and Jesus took it on himself. Therefore, you and I have been born again into the kingdom of God as sons and daughters of God. So when he says, I have come to give them life, the God kind of life, and give it to you abundantly. That is a super abundance. In the Amplified Bible, and Cam, I don't know if you have that verse or not. A thief is only there, this is the Message Bible, a thief is only there to steal and to kill and destroy. I came so that they can have real and eternal life. 
more and better life than they could ever dream of. God is the God that wants to give you exceedingly and abundantly in your life on earth more than you could ask or hope or dream. God is here in us to fill us with himself, to cause us to have a transformation, to become like him as children of God. And the journey is an amazing adventure of life from birth through death, and it's all about the journey because the destination is going to make, it's going to happen itself. So here we are, October 28th, 2020. We're in the midst of an election. We're in the midst of a polarized nation. We're in the midst of a community of people that are angry, and hurt and sick in the midst of a plague called COVID-19, the coronavirus, however, whatever, how you want to identify it. This has been a year like I have not seen in the 70 years that I've been on the earth. And I've not seen our country so divided in all the presidential elections that I have lived through. So it's a different time, and here it is at Halloween. And if you've seen our billboard, there's a billboard on the 10 freeway that says Trunk or Treat. And from the beginning of this church, we, we came here in San Bernardino. Jim and I got married in Santa Barbara, and we moved here. And we had two children. We brought a blended family together. He had a daughter. I had a daughter. Then we had two children together. When we came down to the valley, because we lived in Lake Arrowhead for nine years, we had a church up there. When we came down here to start the rock, there was something that settled in my spirit as Jim's wife and the pastor's wife of the rock, even though there was only 12 members. I had little kids, and I knew in my spirit that Halloween was a demonic holiday, but that God had never given Satan any day on planet Earth. Satan has not created one thing. Satan has not made one day. He has not created one thing on the planet. He is the one that comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He has taken the earth days and our earth days, and he has twisted them, and he has disfigured them, and he has brought them under his dark kingdom. But a long time ago, God spoke to my heart and said, since when has one day that Satan has twisted and destroyed ever belonged to him? I've come to not just redeem you back, buy you back, child, not just to reconcile you back to me, bring you back to me, but I've come to restore you all the way back and to give you back everything that Satan has stilt from you. And there's not one day on planet Earth that belongs to him. So if there's a dark day, then I want the rock to redeem that day and bring light instead of cursing the darkness. I want you to shine the light on that day and let people know my goodness and my kingdom and that no weapon formed against them will prosper in the mighty name of Jesus. So we've had people come and go over these 33 years as pastors, and they've argued with us about Christmas trees and about Halloween and about all these things that I really just don't give a rip anymore because there's not a day that Satan owns. There's not anything on creation that he's made or that he's created. The Christmas tree belongs to God. It's evergreen. It's everlasting life. It is not because some cult worships some foolish tree because they didn't know who God was. And Halloween, even though, yes, it is a demonic holiday, and we're going to look at it, 
The rock is here to redeem that day and to shine light to this city and to tell this city that God loves them, their children, and God is for them and not against them. So looking at Halloween, just briefly, before we get into this, because the scripture that I started with is, Jesus said, I've come to give you life. Zoe, I've come to give you the God kind of life and give it to you abundantly. But in Halloween, in the early 1900s, let me just give you this quick, you want to just hear a quick little ditty about Halloween? The mitigating, the, the migrating Irish and Scots brought Halloween traditions to the United States. The holiday has its roots reaching much farther back. The Halloween originally started, the researchers claim, about 2,000 years ago to the Celts of Europe. Now, the Celts were a group of people that occupied the United Kingdom and Ireland and Scotland, and they worshipped, they were pagans, and they worshipped demonic things. They were a demonic cult. Rome came and conquered them, and they, they changed it. Rome had a Day of the Dead that they celebrated on October 4th, so they switched the cult of the Celtic Halloween, the Day of the Dead. It's called Soen. They switched that over to their holiday, and then the Catholic Church came. The church came, and they said what I said. Well, God has redeemed every day, and they made that the Day of All Saints, the Day of the Dead. And so Halloween has its origins in demonic cultish habits. That is why jack-o'-lanterns, witches, brooms, all the horror movies that are out right now, all of the dark arts, all of these things, and they're very real. There's a very real invisible world. It is more real than this visible corporeal world. And there is a fallen cherubim. His name is Lucifer, who is now Satan. And he swept with him, we don't know how many angelic beings that decided to go with him and rebel against God. And they have a kingdom. It is called the kingdom of darkness. And it is real. But God has never called the church to bow our knees to the kingdom of darkness. He's never called us to be afraid of superstitions or demons. There are no such thing as ghosts because it has been given once for you to die. After that, the judgment, you don't come back and you don't haunt anybody. Those are demon spirits. There are doctrines of demons and deception right now that is permeating this world like a giant web that has spun itself over this nation and over this world. There are demonic cults, and there are doctrines of demons, and there are religions, and any religion that says that Jesus Christ did not come in the flesh, did not die, did not raise again, is born of a virgin, is the son of God, is from demonic origins. God has one way to heaven, and there's only one way. And I don't care. Don't write me letters. Don't do anything about that, because I really don't care, because I believe what God says, and I believe his word. 66 books in this Bible. 30 different authors written over a span of 1,600 years in three separate languages in three different continents. And every single one of these authors who did not know each other wrote the same story and have the same thread of what God is doing in humanity. God's dealing with fallen mankind. So having said that about Halloween, it is definitely a demonic holiday. But the rock has been charged by the Lord to redeem every single day and to redeem every single hour and every single moment and bring it into the kingdom of light and shine our light and let the people know that God is a good God and that he loves people. He's not mad at people. So that's why we're doing our thing on Saturday for Halloween. But having said that about Halloween, because it is, there's no doubt about it, a holiday of death I wanted to teach tonight about life.
Because Jesus said, I've come to give you life. I've not come to give you death. I've come to give you life. And so because he's come to give us life, I thought that we would need to talk about winning some of these battles because Satan is a deceiver. And if he can beat you up, steal from you, depress you, take your anointing away, convince you that God's angry with you and that he can't use you, convince you that you don't have any faith and that God's given up on you, convince you of his lies, then you will not live a victorious life. You will live a very defeated life. Be depressed and be discouraged. And God's never called you to live that way. He has called us into life, everlasting life, the God kind of life, the life that is filled with hope and faith and joy and what was impossible with you and I now becomes absolutely possible in the kingdom of God. Absolutely. Because we live our life not based on what's wrong with us, but on what's right with him. Not on what we can do, but what he can do through us. It's a totally different kind of life. But if you don't switch perspective, if you don't let the penny drop and you don't get it and you don't understand, you will live your life as a defeated Christian, always shamed, always guilty because of what you're not doing for God. Hello? Always feeling like you're never good enough, you've never done enough, you've never read your Bible enough, prayed enough, instead of actually living organically with this amazing relationship with the Holy Spirit and Jesus and the Father that is an adventure every day. And God slipped Jim and I to this life. He brought us into it. We started this church with it. The miracles of God came over the years that we pastored this church. It grew and it grew and it grew and it exploded and people got saved and we built this building in one year and miracle after miracle. And you know what? What he did for this generation, he will do again for yours. So get ready because God hasn't even started with you yet. But you're going to have to fight some battles. This does not just happen. When God told Joshua and he told Moses, listen, I'm going to take you to a land of milk and honey. I'm going to take you to the promised land. He did not tell them about the walled cities or the giants until they got there. He did not tell them that in front of every promise of God, there was going to be a corresponding giant that would want to steal, to kill, and to destroy every promise that God said they could have. We are going to have to fight the good fight of faith on this planet. If you've come in here just to rest and to have an easy street, then you're in the wrong church because God has not called us to lay down and die and to sleep. He's called us to rise up and be the church and do what we are supposed to do, which is to kick some butt and to begin to do what God has called us to do in the authority of his word and the authority of his name by the blood of Jesus, by the promises of God. Bind the devils, bind the demons, cast out demons, heal the sick, raise the dead, and watch the blind see and the lame walk and the deaf hear because God's a God of miracles and he's not changed to any. So we're going to have to stand up and wake up and get into the fight. Because God's got some battles for you to win, not lose. So, having said that, I'm trying to calm down. I'm a nana. Bring it back. I thought we'd deal with 
since we're talking about life, I thought we'd deal with the very first problem in winning your battles and the biggest fear that each one of us have, every one of us, and it is the fear of death. Since COVID-19 has come to our world, and it's been a tremendous test for the church, it's shaken the church, it's tested our hearts, it has amazed me to see how many believers are afraid of death. But I've got good news for you, because God didn't call you here to shame you, he called you here to teach you, because it's very normal, and it is absolutely, according to the word of God, the greatest fear for all humanity. If you've got your Bibles, let's look at it. Hebrews chapter 2. So let's deal with the very first battle. Because once you've slaughtered this one, you're going to be able to move on without fear. And God has not called us to live in fear. He's called us to walk by faith. Fear will be an enemy to your faith. And the fear of death has got to be dealt with. So let's look and see what this is all about. Now, I've heard on the news how our politicians are blood on their hands and they're guilty of all these deaths, and that's just foolishness. Sickness and disease is on the planet. It came with the fall of man. I don't care where this disease was conjured up, whether it was in a lab or whether it came from some bat and some snake somewhere, it doesn't matter. The problem and the real truth is its origins are demonic because Satan has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy us. When Jesus was on the earth, he was constantly healing the sick and raising the dead. And he was dealing with demons. There were times when he would rebuke a spirit of death, a spirit of death and dumb. He would rebuke a spirit of blindness. There were times when there were spirits of infirmity, they were demons, and he'd cast them out. Listen, there are things in the realm of the spirit that you cannot see, but they cannot have a host unless they have a corporeal human host. That tells me the demons, to me, demons probably can latch on to a virus or a cell or something and get in your body and start sickness and disease. Oh, I know, I'm probably sounding crazy, and all the doctors in here are probably going to, the born-again doctors will say, you're absolutely right. Because they multiply, and they kill, and they destroy your body. Sickness and disease did not originate before man sinned. It came because of the fall of Adam and Eve. And sin entered this earth. The title deed of earth was handed to Satan. And this world began to corrupt and spin backwards. Everything died. Now, the biblical definition of death is not a ceasing to exist. When you die, you don't stop ceasing to exist because it says in Ecclesiastes 3.11 that God's put eternity in our hearts. He's put eternity in us. We are eternal beings. We were made for everlasting life with him. We were not made to die. So the biblical definition of death is not a ceasing to exist. It is separation. You will separate. You will separate from this body. It's called physical death. My dad says, Everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die to get there. But it's going to happen to every one of us. We are going to separate from these bodies. These bodies will fall asleep. They'll go back into the dust. But you and I, our spirit and our soul, our, 
our being, the eternal being that God has made in his image, who you are, your personality, your will, all that God put in you, that is either going to go to heaven or it's going to go to hell. You are either going to separate from God in eternal damnation, which is hell, death, the second death, or you're going to live with God eternally. Now, he made provision for me to live with him eternally through the blood of Jesus Christ. So the writer of Hebrews is dealing with this. And he says in Hebrews chapter 2, let's read verse 14. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, speaking of us, he himself, speaking of Jesus, likewise shared in the same. The writer of Hebrews is explaining that he took on a body. He became a man. He had to become a man for many reasons. He shared our humanity with us, all God and all man. It says it was important that likewise he shared in the same, that through death, he might destroy him who had the power of death. That is the devil. Now, who had the power of death, according to Hebrews 2.14? The devil. The devil had the power of death. It's called the law of sin and death. Jesus, God said, if you sin, you will die. The wages of sin are death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. You see, there's death and there's life. There's Zoe, the God kind of life, and then there is separation from that life. It's called death. Are you with me? He says, and release those, and release those who through fear of death were all their lives subject to bondage. Through fear of death were all their lives subject to bondage. That means every human being that's ever been born on this planet has been subject to bondage through the fear of death because eternity is in our heart and every human being that's ever lived or will ever be born will be afraid of that separation. That is the unknown territory and we're afraid of it. We didn't know what was going to happen to us. Nobody's ever come back from the dead. Well, some people are hoping if you're good enough, you're going to go to heaven, or you're just going to cease to exist, or you're just going to fall asleep, and you'll never know what happens to you. So what does it matter? But you see, God doesn't say that. God doesn't say that you're just going to suddenly cease to exist. God says that there's a fear of death on this race. It happened when Adam and Eve sinned and they fell, and the king and the queen of this earth the prototypes of all humanity that had all of us in their loins. When they disobeyed God and they did what Satan told them to do and they partook of that demonic fruit and they said, I will be like God apart from God, which is exactly what Satan said. Everything unraveled at that point in time and this earth was plunged into darkness. But God had a plan. And he said, through fear of death, all their lives have been subject to bondage. But God said, listen, this is what I love. We're talking about winning the battles, the first one. He says, let's go back to Hebrews 14. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, that's us, he likewise shared in the same. He had a flesh and blood body that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death. That is the devil. What does that mean? It means that through death, he destroyed death. It means that Jesus Christ knew when he came 
that a body God prepared for him. He knew that he was going to have to be the sacrifice. He knew that he would have to qualify to be the God-man that would run through the human experience, be tempted and tested and tried, and everything known to human experience. That he would fulfill every commandment of God. He would live in the law, and he would never break the law. That when he went to Calvary's cross and he laid down his will and took on the will of the Father, when he climbed on that cross and took on your sin and my sin, it was through his death that he destroyed the very one who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release us who through fear of death were in bondage all of our lives. When he died, when his blood was shed upon that cross, when it spilled on the earth, when he breathed his last and said, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. Into your hands I commend my spirit. The word tells us that he went into the regions of the damned, and Jesus went into hell, he preached to the spirits in prison. He went across that divide. He led captivity captive, which is Abraham's bosom and all the saints of God. He took the keys of death and hell, and he said, come on, kids, we're out of here. And he ascended on high, and he led captivity captive. He made a pit stop to Mary Magdalene and said, don't touch me, for I've not yet ascended to my father. And then he took his blood to the mercy seat of heaven, and when God's wrath hit that blood, it was over. It was finished. We were born again. We were saved. Their chains were broken. Everything that Satan had ever had against you or I, every single accusation, every sin, every stain, every weakness, every failure, everything was taken to that cross, put on that cross, and destroyed by the blood of Jesus Christ through death. He had the power to release those who, through fear of death, had been in bondage all their lives. He had to die so that you and I could live. But he only died once, and he didn't stay dead. That is why the resurrection is everything to us because death could not hold him the grave could not keep him he was innocent there was no sin on him and satan could not keep him in hell and he got out of there with the keys of death and hell and he lives forever at the right hand of the father of god and he's given me and brought me into this life this life this god life this life that now permeates me the new creation, the new nature that now comes into my spirit. That is why it is so foolish for us to argue over race and tribe because we are no longer black and white and red and yellow. We are sons and daughters of the Most High God, born of the Spirit of God. All things have become new. All things have become new. We're in these earth suits. We will separate from me these earth suits when we get on to heaven and when it's our time. Listen, we're all going to die. You're all going to separate from this unless you're the generation that comes in the rapture when Jesus comes, which who knows? You and I are going to die. We're going to separate. It's appointed once for man to die and then judgment. So let's talk about it. Well, if his death has covered our sins... And he's now brought us into eternal life. What are we afraid of? 1 Corinthians 15, 54 says, So when this corruptible, speaking of these bodies, has put on incorruption, and this mortal 
has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, O oh, death is swallowed up in victory. O oh, death, where is your sting? O oh, Hades, where is your victory? What are we afraid of? We're only going to pass through the valley of the shadow of death. He's already died for us. He's already taken care of the fear. He's already released us from bondage. So whether you live or you die, whether you are in this body or out of this body and present with the Lord, you and I do not have to be afraid of that moment or afraid of that incident or afraid of dying because we've already died with Christ and our life is hid with his. Christian, don't be afraid of COVID. Don't be afraid of plagues. This one is nothing. What's coming up the pike will be far worse than this. This is just a silly little test. We've lost people. People have died. But guess what? We are going to die. We are all going to die. Some will live longer than others. But what does it matter if we've lived in God and he has our days? It's appointed Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, it's appointed once for man to die and then judgment. You're not coming back. You're only going to live one time on this planet. And what you do here will determine how you live your forevers. This is very important. God says, I don't want you to be afraid of death. You've already entered into spiritual life. You will pass through the valley of the shadow of death. But you don't have to fear any evil. For I'm with you. He won't leave you. He's got you. He's got your days. He's got your hours. He's got your seconds. We're afraid of our families, our children. And if you're young, you were, as I did as a young mother, well, God, what happens if I die and my children are left without me? God will take care of them. What about my husband? God will take care of him. They'll be lined up to have a, he'll have a brand new wife. Honey, don't worry about him. We don't have to be afraid because God's got this. And so the worst thing that will ever happen to you has already happened to Jesus. And now all you and I have to do is trust him and realize that, yes, there'll be a day when we'll separate from these mortal bodies. And this mortal will put on immortality. I get a new body. He's not going to make me live in the old one. I get to have a brand new one. And it's going to be like Jesus. And I don't know if you've noticed, but he walked right through walls. He said flesh and bone when he had them touch him, and he ate. So I don't know what these bodies are going to be like, but it seems to me like there's, you know, there's teleportation. I mean, Philip experienced it when he needed to go to meet that, you know, that, what was he? He was a eunuch, and he was suddenly in the desert, and then he was gone. Time and space and corporeal three-dimensional worlds of time, space, and substance are no longer going to be a part of our world or our life. We're here right now, and we're stuck here, and it's a wonderful life, and God wants us to live it, to live it wonderfully in him with joy. But don't be afraid of dying because he's already dealt with it. That's the first, first battle right there. We're going to sorrow when someone we love dies. But in 1 Thessalonians 4.13, Paul writes and says, But I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. See, he doesn't even talk about death. He says it's sleeping. Man, these, this dust is going back to the dust. It's going to sleep until I get a new body. 
but I'm not going to be asleep. I'm with Jesus. And he says, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. Yes, God will be with us. He'll be with those that have lost loved ones. And for those of you that might be right now just experiencing someone that's just passed and, and gone on to be with God and your, your hearts are hurting, he is the God of all comfort and the God that will comfort your hearts, but he will take care of you. You will live through this and you will keep living until God has your days and it's time for you to go home. But you will see that loved one again. You'll see that husband or that wife or that child or that friend or the one that, that has broken your heart. You'll see them again. They are not dead. If they're Christians, they're more alive than they've ever been. And you are going to spend eternity with them. So there's hope in our hearts. God isn't callous. He understands us. He says, precious in his sight are the death of his saints. He understands the sorrow and the separation that comes when those who we love are no longer with us on earth. But he wants to comfort our hearts. He wants us to deal with the fear of death because it'll keep you in bondage. And he doesn't want you in bondage to anything that he has set you free from. So first fear, first battle is the fear of death. Are you, good? Are you with me? Are you good? Can I give you just a few more, just a few more things because... Listen, not only are we going to have to deal with the fear of death, which God has, deal, has dealt with, but we're going to have to understand that the battle that we're going to be fighting will be greatest in our minds. The battleground is in the mind. Yes, sickness comes in the body, and yes, your body is hurting. Yes, there's battles in our bodies. I'm not saying that there isn't. But the greatest battle that you will fight continually will be in the realm of your mind, your thoughts. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. All spiritual warfare is waged over one essential question. Who will control the reality on earth, heaven or hell? Who is going to control earth's reality, heaven, which is God's word and God's way and God's plan, or hell, which is Satan's kingdom? You and I are watching a nation turn very quickly into deep darkness. And it's happened very fast. The freedoms that we have taken for granted, that we thought were enshrined in our Constitution, have been completely disrupted because of this virus. They shut our doors for Easter. Who would have ever thought that they'd command us not to go to church? Who would ever thought that your social institutions and your schools and your businesses would suddenly be shut down because of a plague? So. Who's going to control your reality? Is heaven going to control it, or is earth going to control it? What part does Satan's kingdom play with my thoughts? Well, the first thing that he does is he understands that if you can change men's thoughts, you will change men's actions. Change your thoughts, change your life. Change your thoughts, change your actions. Everything begins with thought. Even creation began with thought. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God conceived the plan. The Word commanded the plan of God. And the Spirit created the plan. Are you with me? It started with imagination and thought. It went into command, and then it went into substance. It's the same thing in our lives. It'll start with a thought, 
it will cultivate into an action, and that action will result in a consequence of good or evil, of heaven or hell. Are you with me? So that's why thoughts are so important. In John chapter 844, Jesus gives us a glimpse, and he gives us an understanding of who this rat is, Satan. He says, speaking to the, Faddu the Sadducees and the Pharisees, he says, you are of your father the devil, speaking of the devil, Satan, and the desires of your father you want to do, speaking of Satan. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Now listen, Satan will invade your thought life. Satan will absolutely cause thoughts to land in your mind. Your mind can be a landing field for thoughts. Right now, some of you are just imagining things about tomorrow. You're somewhere else. If you're sitting here on, online or watching in your home, you're distracted by a million different things. Your computer, your mind is a magnificent creation of God. He's given you the ability to image, to imagine. That's why words are so important, because words contain images. And when you image in your heart, you begin to see it on the inside, and then you begin to create it on the outside. Are you with me? Like God, you're made in the image of God. Therefore, that is why the animal kingdom does not have the ability to have vocabulary and language. They cannot create. Only you can create because you're man and you're made in the image of God. So if Satan can land a thought into your mind, if he can cause doubt to come in, to begin to twist your thinking and to cultivate how you view something and change your perspective, then before you know it, things are going to change in your life and what you used to believe, you're not going to see it that way anymore. How many of you have just changed the way you do your hair or the, the clothes that you wear? Over the last 20 years, how many of you have changed? Of course. Why? Because there are influences that tell us this is out of style, this is out of date, you don't want this anymore, you don't want to look hokey, therefore to be cool, you got to have ripped jeans. Someday we're going to look back on ripped jeans and go, what were we thinking? Come on. Influence. Thoughts. He deals with the realm of the mind. Now Jesus said there's no truth in him. He is incapable of telling you the truth. Jesus defined the truth very clearly in John 17, 17, when he said, Thy word, God, your word is truth. What God says, what God does, what God declares in the word of God is absolute truth. Satan will come to do everything he can to twist God's word in your mind and get you to begin to doubt what God has said. Are you really healed? Then how come you're still sick? Are you really saved? Then how come you're still doing this? Well, if you really loved God, would you still be wanting to do that? When you fall and when you fail and when you screw up and when you've done something you know you shouldn't do, he will come and he will accuse you and he will 
harangue you and he will corral you and he will shame you and he will do everything he can to absolutely knock you out in your heart. That's his job. He is the accuser of the brethren and he's come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And he does it through the realm of your thoughts. Some of you have had the most horrific thoughts and you've hated yourself, but they weren't yours. They're not your thoughts. You have to understand what is yours and what isn't yours. And what is not yours, you learn to cast down and say, oh hell, you leave my mind. Satan, in the name of Jesus, I command you to leave and depart from me, worker of iniquity, in the name of Jesus. And you begin to put the helmet of salvation on and cover your thought life. But we'll get to that. So the second one after the fear of death is understand that the battle is going to be greatest in your mind. Change men's thoughts, change men's actions. Number three, I'm going to have to make safe thinking mandatory in my life. Safe thinking. What is safe thinking? Safe thinking? What do you mean by safe thinking? Well, I'm glad you asked. I've got a few more minutes. Can I tell you this one? All right, let's go. 2 Timothy 1.7. First verse I taught my little ones when they were scared at night because fear is a natural thing in man. Satan, Satan's kingdom is a kingdom that, that lives on fear, like God's kingdom lives on faith. It's his economic system. He rules everything through fear. Even when you're little, you're afraid of the dark, and you're afraid of monsters, and you're afraid of those monsters in the closet and under the bed. So when my little ones were going to sleep at night, we started teaching them the word of God, because if we could get them to think about it and to speak it, they would have a settled peace on the inside, because Jesus said, my words are spirit, and they are life. In other words, this is not just a book. This is a spirit book, and when you begin to ingest it, and you begin to believe it and you begin to speak it, it actually gets in your spirit, comes up out of your spirit, out of your mouth, and it actually begins to change your world. It's the kingdom. It's the kingdom. We got to learn how to live in the kingdom of God on earth. So 2 Timothy 1.7, I'm talking about safe thinking has got to be mandatory. It says, for God did not give us a spirit of timidity, of cowardice, of craven and cringing and fawning fear. I'm reading out of the Amplified. But he's given us a spirit of power and of love and of a calm and a well-balanced and a disciplined and a self-controlled mind. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, of cowardice, of craven and cringing and fawning fear. He doesn't want us living like that. But he's given us a spirit of power, of love, and of calm, and well-balanced mind, and discipline, and self-control. The word definition, a sound mind. What does a sound mind come from? It comes from the Greek word, from two words. It comes from, it's called sophophreneos. Oh, I'm messing it up so badly, but you don't speak Greek, and I don't either, so just bear with me. Sophros. Esmos, so frosesmos, so frosesmos, so frosesmos, so who cares? It means two things. Sof means safe. It means safe. And friend means mind. Hence, safe thinking. The word means good judgment, disciplined thought patterns, and the ability to understand 
and make right decisions. It includes the qualities of self-control and self-discipline. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5 says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. It's in the realm of the mind. It is what you're thinking what are you allowing to stay in your mind? What are you pondering? What are you meditating on? What are your eyes looking at? What are your ears hearing? It is the thought life of mankind because Satan comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. And there is no truth in him. If he went to Jesus and the temptations in the wilderness and he said, if you be the son of God, command these stones to be turned to bread. He thought he could actually deceive God himself. That is how wild and crazy this renegade spirit is. You've got to realize who you're dealing with. He's nuts. He's absolutely nuts. And when he understands that you know how defeated he is, what God's blood has actually already done, and that he has no authority in your life to frighten you, to scare you, to plague you, to accuse you, and to condemn you, he will get out of your head. Oh, he'll come back, but he'll get out, and the strongholds will be broken off your life. I got to quit because I'm out of time. This this is a long teaching. There's, there's a, this is just living. This is everyday living and everyday kingdom life. It's supernatural. That's why the word of God has got to come into your life. Even if you read one verse a day and you just meditated on it all day, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If it's one verse that you've got for the day, get it in your spirit and begin to speak it out of your mouth and you begin to wage warfare with that crazy devil because he's nuts. There is no truth in him. If he thinks he can deceive God himself, how much more is he going to try to deceive you and I? Let me tell you, what you look at the longest is going to be strongest in your life. What you look at the longest and what you meditate on is going to be what's real in your life. So get off some of this stuff. We dealt with the fear of death. You don't have to be afraid of dying. He's already dealt with that. You are going to separate but he will be with you and get ready for the adventure because we haven't seen anything yet. And I can tell you right now, the best is yet to come. This is a dust bowl. Wait till we see heaven. The best is yet to come. So don't be afraid of dying. It's going to happen. But it's okay because it's the door into our destiny. Don't be afraid of it. Don't be afraid of COVID. Be wise. Don't be stupid. Put your masks on. Wash your hands. But don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. It is not going to take you out. God knows how to get you home. Doesn't have to be a plague. Jim and I had COVID. You know, we were, I was sick for three days and I was fine. Jim just shook it off. I was probably in more sin than he was. Don't be afraid. God's come to give us life give it abundantly. He wants us to win these battles. 
He doesn't want us afraid. He wants us to have safe minds. The only way to keep your mind safe is to keep it on the Word of God. Tomorrow and the rest of this week, get your Bibles out, and if you have to write it on your hand, write down one verse and just speak it all week long and let the Holy Spirit give it to you. One verse. It's not asking you to memorize the whole word. Start with one. Don't you be afraid of the devil. He's afraid of you. He's afraid of what you can do when you finally figure out who you are in Jesus and who Jesus is in you. <laughs> Halloween, it'll come and go. But let's shine the light to the city and let the city know that God loves them. God's got an abundant life for each and every one from the youngest to the oldest. Vote. This election's coming. Vote your conscience. Vote the word of God. I know you think our president's nuts. He's probably a little crazy too, but at least that man's got some righteousness in him. He's got some righteousness in him. I'm not for Biden. I'm not for Trump. I'm for Jesus. I'm on loan to planet Earth. I'm in this world, but I'm not of it. I'm a child of Almighty God. I love you. I'm done. That's it. Thank you for listening to the Rock Church and World Outreach Center. If this message spoke to you, please share it with us. We'd love to hear from you. You can find more information at www.rockchurch.com.